Sri Sai Sacharitra, The Wonderful Life and Teachings of Shirdi Sai Baba, A Modern Rendering. Chapter 2 Inspiration for Writing This Work In the first chapter, I describe Sai Baba's miracle of destroying the cholera epidemic by grinding wheat and throwing the flour on the outskirts of the village. To my great delight, I heard other miracles of Sai Baba, which burst forth into this poetic work. I also thought that the descriptions of Sai Baba's miracles would be interesting and instructive to his devotees and remove their sins. And so I began to write about the sacred life and teachings of Sai Baba. The life of the saint is neither logical nor dialectical. It shows us a true and great path. The author receives Baba's grace to write this book. Hearing my stories and teachings will create faith in devotees' hearts, and they will easily attain self-realization and bliss. Hamad Pant thought he was not fit to undertake the work. He said, I do not know the life of my intimate friend nor do I know my own mind. And how can I write the life of a saint or describe the nature of incarnations, which even the Vedas are unable to do? One must be a saint himself before he could know other saints. And how is it possible that I could describe their glory? To write the life of a saint is most difficult. One may as well try to measure the depth of the seven seas or enclose the sky with cloth. I knew that this was the most adventurous undertaking and might expose me to ridicule. I therefore invoke Sai Baba's grace. The premier poet saint of Maharashtra, Sri Yanashwar Maharaj, said that the Lord loves those who write the lives of saints. The saints also have a peculiar method of getting this service which devotees long for, successfully accomplished. The saints inspire the work. The devotee becomes only an indirect cause or instrument to achieve the end. For instance, in 1778, the poet Mahipati aspired to write the lives of saints. Saints inspired him and he wrote four books. Starting in 1878, Das Ganu wrote about the lives of modern saints in his book, composed sweet poems, and wrote of the life and teachings of Sai Baba. Others have also written stories of Sai Baba's wonderful leelas. The question then arises that while so many works regarding Sai Baba exist, why is it necessary to write this one? The answer is plain and simple. The life of Sai Baba is as wide and deep as the infinite ocean. All can dive deep into it and take out precious gems of knowledge and devotion and distribute them to the world. The stories, parables, and teachings of Sai Baba are very wonderful. They will give peace and happiness to those who are afflicted with sorrow 
and weighed down by the suffering of this worldly existence, and bestow knowledge and wisdom, both in worldly and spiritual domains. If these teachings of Sai Baba, which are interesting and instructive as Vedic lore, are listened to and meditated upon, the devotees will get what they long for, union with Brahman, the ultimate reality, mastery in eightfold yoga, bliss of meditation, and so on. So I thought that to put these stories together would be my best upasana, the way to approach God. This collection would be most delightful to those simple souls whose eyes had not been blessed with Sai Baba's darshan. So I set about collecting Sai Baba's teachings and words, the outcome of his boundless and natural self-realization. It was Sai Baba who inspired me in this matter. In fact, when I surrendered my ego at his fee, my path was clear, and I knew he would make me very happy in this life and in the next. I wanted Sai Baba's permission for this work, so I requested Shama, Baba's most intimate devotee, to speak for me. He pleaded my case and said to Baba, He wishes to write your biography. Don't say that you are poor begging fakir and there is no necessity to write it. If you agree and help him, he will write it. Or rather, your grace will accomplish the work. Without your consent and blessing, nothing can be done successfully. Sai Baba was moved by my request. He blessed me by giving me Udi, sacred ash, and placed his boon-bestowing hand on my head, saying, Let him make a collection of stories and experiences, keeping notes and memos. I will help him. He is only an outward instrument. I will write my autobiography myself and satisfy the wishes of my devotees. He should get rid of his ego, surrender it at my feet. He who acts like this in life, I help the most. What of my life stories? I will serve him in all possible ways. When his ego is completely annihilated and there is no trace of it left, I shall enter into him and shall write my own life. Hearing my stories and teachings will create faith in devotees' hearts, and they will easily attain self-realization and bliss. Let there be no insistence of establishing one's own view, no attempt to refute others' opinions, no discussions of pros and cons of any subject. The word discussion reminded me of my promise to explain the story of my receiving the title Hamadpat, which I shall now relate. I was on close friendly terms with Kaka Saheb Tixit and Nana Saheb Chandrakur. They pressed me to go to Shirdi and have Baba's darshan, and I promised them to do so. But something turned up preventing me from going to Shirdi. The son of a friend of mine fell ill. My friend tried all possible means, physical and spiritual, but the fever would not abate. 
He got his guru to sit by the bedside of his son, but this too was of no avail. Hearing this, I thought, what was the value of a guru if he could not save my friend's son? If a guru can't do anything for us, why should I go to Shirdi at all? Thinking this way, I postponed my trip to Shirdi. But the inevitable must happen, and it happened in my case as follows. Nana Saheb was waiting for a train bound for Basain. But when a local train to Bandra arrived, he got on that instead. In Bandra, he sent for me and arranged for my trip to Shirdi. Nana Saheb's argument for my Shirdi trip was convincing and delightful, so I decided to start for Shirdi the same night. I packed my luggage and started for Shirdi. I booked a train to Dadar in order to catch a train from Manmad. As the train was about to leave, a Muslim rushed to my compartment and, seeing all my bags, asked me where I was bound. I told him. He suggested I go straight to Boribundar instead, as a train did not stop at Dardar. If this little miracle or Leela had not happened, I would not have reached Shirdi the next day as planned, and many doubts would have assailed me. As fortune favored me, I reached Shirdi the next morning. Kaka Sahib was waiting for me. After dismounting from the Tonga, the horse carriage, I was anxious to have Baba's darshan. The great devotee, Tatya, who had just come from the masjid, said that Baba was at the corner of Sate's Wada. This was in 1910, when it was the only place for lodging pilgrims. Kaka Sahib told me to go for preliminary darshan then to return to see Baba again at my leisure after having had a bath. Hearing this, I ran and prostrated before Baba, and my joy knew no bounds. I found even more than what Nana Saheb had described. All my senses were satisfied, and I forgot thirst and hunger. The moment I touched Sai Baba's feet, I began a new lease on life. I felt very grateful to those who had prompted and helped me to have his darshan. I considered them to be my true relatives, and I cannot repay their debt. I remember and prostrate before them. In my experience through Sai Baba's darshan, our thoughts are changed, the force of previous actions is lessened, and gradually dispassion towards worldly objects naturally arises. It is by the merit of actions in many past births that such a darshan is received, and through his darshan, the entire world assumes the form of Sai Baba. Necessity for a Guru On the first day of my arrival in Shirdi, Bala Saheb and I had a discussion regarding the necessity of a guru. I argued, why should we lose our freedom and submit to someone else? When we have to do our duty, why is a guru necessary? One must try his best and save himself. What can the guru do for a man who does nothing but sleeps indolently? And so I pleaded free will, while at the same time Bala Saheb argued the other side, 
destiny. He said, whatever is bound to happen must happen. Even great men have failed. Man plans one way, but God arranges the opposite way. Brush aside your cleverness, pride, and egoism. It won't help you. This discussion, with all its pros and cons, went on for an hour or so, and as usual, no decision was arrived at. We had to stop the discussion as we were exhausted. The net result of this was that I lost my peace of mind. I realized that unless strong body consciousness and egoism are present, there would be no discussion. In other words, it is egoism that breeds discussion. Later, when we went to the masjid, Baba asked Kaka Saheb, What was going on in Satezwada? What was the discussion about? Staring at me, Baba added, What did Hamadpat say? Hearing these words, I was much surprised. The masjid was at a considerable distance from Satezwada where the discussion was going on. How could Baba know our discussion unless he was omniscient and the inner ruler of all? The Significance of the Author's Name I began to think about why Sai Baba called me by the name Emadpant. This word is a form of Hemandripant. Hemandripant was a well-known minister of the kings Mahadev and Ramadev of Devgiri of the Yadava dynasty. He was very learned, good-natured, and the author of many books. He invented and started new methods of accounts and was the originator of the Maharati shorthand script. But I was quite the opposite, an ignoramus with a dull, mediocre intellect. I could not understand why the name or title was conferred upon me. But thinking seriously upon it, I thought that the title was a dart to destroy my ego, so that I would always remain meek and humble. It was also a compliment paid to me for the cleverness of the discussion. The Guru Guides You Madpant did not leave any words about what Baba said regarding the subject of the necessity of a guru guiding you. But Kakasa had published his notes regarding this matter. The day after Hamadpant's meeting with Sai Baba, Kaka Sahib went to Baba and asked whether he should leave Shirdi, and Baba said yes. Baba, where to go? And Baba replied, high up. What is the way? There are many ways leading there, Baba said. There is also a way from here. The way is difficult. There are tigers and wolves on the way. But Baba, what if I take a guide with us? Baba answered, Then there is no difficulty. The guide will take you straight to your destination, so you will avoid wolves, tigers, and ditches on the way. If there is no guide, there is the danger of you being lost in the jungle or falling into ditches. Hamadpant was present on this occasion and thought this was the answer Baba gave to the question whether a guru was necessary. He took this as a hint that no discussion of whether man is free or bound 
is of any use in spiritual matters. On the contrary, to reach the real Paramatma, the Absolute, is possible only as a result of the teachings of the Guru. This is illustrated in the instances of great avatars like Rama and Krishna, who had to surrender to their gurus, Vashishta and Sandapani, for self-realization. And the only virtues necessary for progress are faith and patience. Pranams to Sri Sai. Peace be to all. You've been listening to a modern rendering of Hamad Pant's The Sri Sai Satcharitra, The Wonderful Life and Teachings of Shirdi Sai Baba, edited and narrated by Monica Penaconda. For more content like this online, please go to divinelineage.org, saifamily.org, and peacefires.org. To learn more about Monica, please go to monicapenaconda.org